Welcome, everybody, to the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about all things LSU football and uh, basketball and baseball, too, because those things never seem to stop. Uh, they go year-round. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to go ahead and ask you guys to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Twitter at Pod. And check out the website at laredzonereport.com. And uh, if you like what you hear, then please leave a comment and let us know so we can give you some more good content. Uh, so I wanted to start out with uh, football. It's off-season, of course, but the, the news just never seems to stop. You know, it's year-round. Uh, year um, they just finished their recruiting season, um, but it's, it seems to be that there's a lot of transfers and things like that going on. But LSU has to be in a good position right now, wouldn't you say, Tommy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward, uh, when, first of all, when you just look at what happened in the, with the spring football, uh, the spring game, everything looks good. The offense looks uh, extremely uh, changed, a big, a big difference. We were going to talk about Joe Brady coming in, and you can see his instant impact just in the, what, six or five weeks he's been actually coaching players. Uh, you can see from the, the impact in the uh, early, uh, early like, enrollees, uh, like uh, Stingley and Apu Aika, uh, they both made you know, big plays uh, early on the sp- in the spring game. Um, I was actually there, so it was, you know, you could feel the electricity. There's a lot of excitement. I think there's a lot of excitement from the fans and a lot of excitement from the players on the field. And then uh, going in with, uh, I think, did you see the, the preseason ranking so far? I think LSU was four in a preseason ranking I saw. So Yeah, they, they, were, they were top four. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I saw, too. So there's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hype coming from, you know, within the program, within the, within the LSU community, but also, you know, getting some national recognition, which we've been kind of starved from uh, preseason-wise for the past couple of years. I, I mean, I don't think anybody expected LSU to have as good a season last year as they did. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's they, a good feeling. Yeah, they pretty much had wrote LSU off, I think, just because of the the brutal schedule that they had, starting out with Miami and then the you know the SEC gauntlet that they had to face. But I would say LSU surpassed everyone's expectations, and they even found themselves in a, a New Year's Six bowl and won it, uh, defeating the you know self-proclaimed national champions from last year. But uh, I think Coach Ed Orgeron is has done really well, and I know he has some high expectations, but he's entering his third year, and he's got possibly a number one recruiting class uh, coming off this, this great year. Um, I, I think he, he just has to, uh, you know, like we were talking about with the offense, bring that, because, you know, LSU fans know well enough that, you hear about the offense changing and then, you know, it just doesn't quite seem to live up to the, the preseason hype the last few years. But, 
we're going to assume that Joe Brady is going to actually bring the change that they've been looking for. Yeah. I mean, if, if the, if the, the spring game is any indication as to what we'll see, and I, I would tend to believe it is, uh, cause it'd be just a total waste of time if they didn't implement this. Uh, you've got, they didn't take a single snap under center. Uh, both, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, both Joe Burrow and Miles Brennan, who were you know on the respective uh, I guess purple and white teams, uh, all operated out of the gun. There was a lot of uh, you know a lot of spread, some empty. You saw empty backfield, which you never see with LSU. And I understand why. You know LSU consistently has some of the top running backs. You think about Darius Geis, Leonard Fournette, Jeremy Hill, and you want to you want to give the give those guys the ball, but the um, it's it's really it, you can't do it anymore with the, I mean, I think that the last, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was when, when Nick Saban in Alabama and uh, when they, and Lane Kiffin, when they brought Lane Kiffin in and they decided to move from that, you know, eye backfield, hand the ball off two downs, then maybe throw play action on the third and see what happens. They moved to a spread. That's what, that's what gave us Tua. And so it's just, you can't, yeah. you can't stay back in, in you know the 1990s, you got to move on and you got to be able to compete and spread the ball out and and really toy with defenses because uh, it's almost like giving the giving a, an SEC defense a break when they then all all season long they play against a spread out you know never know where the ball's going to go offense and then you play LSU who's in the eye backfield and you just know it's going to go to the running back. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 been years in the making. Uh, I remember well, uh, Orgeron tried his best. You know, right when he came in, he tried to shake things up. He brought in Matt Canada, mm-hmm. and they did. You know, they did some new things. Uh, they introduced the jet sweep, and you know, I think LSU is still going to use that to some degree. Uh, but you know, maybe it was just a personality issue or something because he was only here a year. Um, yeah. But, I, I, I've always heard that they just didn't get along, and that was the main reason that it didn't work out. I don't think it was a you know necessarily a system difference. I think it was a personality difference. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, and you just you don't want to have a, a tainted locker room just you know between coaches because then it'll probably just trickle down. Um, but yeah, we're bringing in Joe Brady from the Saints, uh, and you know Burrow was kind of raving about it after the spring game, saying it's you know they're further ahead than they were last year. At this time, plus you know now you have a a second year QB with Burrow who already had his own uh, experience before that. But uh, I think maybe the expectations would be higher this year for Coach O, considering uh, you know he has to build on the success from last year. No, I, I totally agree. I think that's I think that might be the biggest fear for the that I have for the season is not necessarily that that LSU will will underperform. Uh, underperform in you know the, the sense on the field, but they'll underperform expectations because there's a lot of hype going in. Uh, you got that Texas game. I think it's week three or week four. That's obviously a huge game. That's going to be a national spotlight game, and it looks like if you look at the schedule, that that Texas game is the fir- is the big hurdle. If you beat if you win that Texas game, then you can kind of smooth sail into Bama and. Either way, you know, win or lose or win against Bama, you, there's still a chance to be a one-loss team into the playoff. But, I mean, I'm doing it right now. We're getting ahead of ourselves going into a season, talking about 
playoff bursts already. And I feel like that, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only one talking like that. And that, that hype and that uh, expectation can be a, a, a hard thing to meet. Right. Right. But um, I think Orgeron has done a good job with all of his hires so that hopefully nothing slips through the cracks. I mean, they, they expanded the analysts' uh, positions for, for teams to 10, and he, he's taking full advantage. Like, he's filling out his roster. And, oh, uh, you mentioned the, the Bama game. Uh, it was just announced that CBS is going to move it from the primetime game to a day this game. time for the first year. Yeah, for the first time in 10 years. Uh, and I say all the better. Um, a, I think LSU just needed to mix it up. Um, They're putting so much uh, pressure and expectation on this game. And it just ever since that game of the century, except for that year after, it hasn't really lived up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good for, for LSU to mix it up, but I also don't blame CBS because the game just hasn't lived up to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, as, the, as, a, as a Homer LSU fan, this is the LSU, you know, podcast, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit hurt. I think it's a little bit disrespectful, <laughs> but <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I think that it, I think that it is good in a meta sense. This makes it, it more, you know, you always go into saying like, Oh, it's just another game. It's just another game, but we all know it's not. And right. I mean, coach Ogeron last year, um, I think, you know, in his press conference at the beginning of the week prior to the Bama game, said, you know, this is why you come to LSU to win this game. It's, this is all that matters. This is what our season is. And when you put so much, and that's, and that's not a knock on him. Everyone says that. Les Miles says that, you know. But yeah. when, you, when you put everything, when you put your whole season on this one game, and really it's not, like I just, like I just said, you know, a lot of people are saying that a one-loss LSU team would easily get in, or, you know, depending on how everyone else shakes out. But it's, a, it's definitely a possibility. So, Having it be a, a a day game where maybe you know there's not as much focus on it, not as much spotlight. You know the lights aren't even on, so you can't say the lights are too bright. Uh, yeah. It could be. I think it could be a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you said, even if they did lose, if they won everything else, who knows? They could backdoor their way in, kind of like Alabama did. Yeah, I was no, say, um, you have a Bama situation from two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that would be uh, uh, definitely poetic justice. Um, but I, I think I think they have a chance because Coach O has done what he does best, and that is recruit. And they had a top five class last year. He could have you know the top class this year, depending how things shake out. Um, but uh, it's not just the players because he's already got you know the number one cornerback in the country, Derek Stingley on campus, and he's already pressing people, but it's that O is finally taking it outside of the Southeast. He's uh, focusing on, well, Texas, but also Arizona. There's California. I mean, he used to coach out there. Uh, He obviously still has contacts. They got someone from Maryland. So uh, I think this is only going to benefit the program if they can keep expanding their recruiting circles the way they have. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the most, uh, interesting and encouraging things about the way that uh coach O is recruited is not just the talent that he's picked up because it's it's just it's tangible you can see that uh you know number one two number one qb uh quarterbacks excuse me cornerbacks so you had Derek stingley and then you also have uh elias ricks in california so the, the talent is there but the type of people that he's recruiting 
Um, I think about a Cardell Thomas uh, in this in this class that'll be entering now, and then uh, Elias Ricks in the class of 2020. These are he's recruiting players that end up being recruiters. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. follow either of them on Twitter, but Cardell Thomas, there's no there's no better recruiter than Cardell Thomas. He's telling all his friends, <laughs> you know, hey, you got to come here. LSU's the place. I mean, Elias Ricks. I watched a video of him uh, about a week ago of him working out, and he's wearing all LSU stuff. He's talking about how he just can't wait to get to Baton Rouge, and how if any, you know, if if you're anybody, you're gonna be you're gonna meet me in Baton Rouge. So having a player like that, and I think the best, also the best part about that is about having player or having high school players that are so invested in your program that they're gonna recruit for you. You can't get a recruiting violation for that, you know. If a player is if a player right. is talk, talking up your program, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. So, if we can continue to recruit people who and, and get people excited about the program, and they tell their friends, that word of mouth, and then that whole aspect of my friends going here, my friends going here, his friends going here, we want to have, we want to play together. I think we can. That could pay dividends, and that will pay dividends. And maybe not on the field this year, but I look to 2020, 2021, when that, uh, they call it the Cali to the boot connection, when that really starts to manifest on the field. I mean, I think that's an exciting prospect. Oh, definitely. And you, you're right. You, you can't ask for a, a better recruiting tool than your own recruits that are recruiting for you. Uh, you know, especially with all these, um, you know, open invitationals uh, for all these position guys, the elite 11s and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're hardcore recruiting there. And like you said, uh, that's, that doesn't go against anything. And it's, it's these guys wanting their team to be good and recruiting the best players that they're going up against in these, uh, in these challenges. So uh, you're right. I think there's only the only way to go is up. Now, there is, you know, recruits can, you know, back out, they flip last second, and there's all that. I mean, I think that's just uh, par for the course. But recently, the NCAA opened up uh, their transfer portal. And, I don't know, they said they, you know, this might change things. Uh, LSU actually had uh, Kelvin Joseph enter his name in just randomly a few weeks ago. (laughs) And then he, you know, they... Called him on, and his dad said, oh, he's not going anywhere. But yeah, I, just, I, I, I don't, I don't it, know what happened with that. That was strange. <laughs> I know, but it just, they, they're making it so much easier for these guys to transfer. And I, I looked into it. You know, I think maybe some fans were getting worried because all these guys were transferring out of the program. Um, but it's, it's kind of maintained the same level in the last 10 or 15 years nationally where it's only like a, a 13%. <laughs> Uh, across the board transfer rates, but you know we we've taken in some transfers as well. But the, the transfer portal, like uh, Jalen Hurts left Alabama to go to Oklahoma. Um, Kelly Bryant, who was going to be the starter at Clemson, then Trevor Lawrence kind of took over. Now he transferred. He's going to Mississippi. So uh, you know, and that's how LSU got Joe Burrow. So I think this transfer portal is going to be a new you know, addition to what they're going to have to focus on recruiting wise. Um, what do you think? Well, to be honest, I'm, I, I'm very skeptical of it. Um, I, yeah. I think that, I think that basic, you know, unintended consequences, I think the NCAA has just created a free agency. Uh, right. and, 
you know, you talk about Kelly Bryant going to Missouri. So Kelly Bryant is a is a top tier quarterback, and he, you know, you commit he committed to commits to Clemson, and now he's he then he basically announced in week two, I'm on the market, and it's a whole <laughs> new aspect of of recru- now you have now you you coaches have to you know divert their resources to who's going to go on the transfer market and how am I going to recruit them? Because he, he visited multiple colleges uh, and it was like a re, you know, it was like he was a high schooler again, recruit doing recruiting. So I, I don't, I, I watch uh, or I follow on Instagram. There's a lot of good uh, football uh, accounts. There's uh, I think elite college football and uh, CFB brackets, a couple others that I follow and they basically catalog every single time a player enters the transfer portal. And, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it, I feel like it just gets out, it's getting out of hand. I, did you see the thing about the, the, uh, the guy from Texas, that uh, Brew McCoy? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, he, so he starts out at USC, enters the transfer portal, goes to Texas, and now enters the transfer portal again and is expected to go back to USC. To back to USC. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't uh, even know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I you're think right. I think they're creating uh, by creating this portal. They, it's it's kind of like a, a Pandora's box, and it's guys were going to transfer anyway if they really really wanted to. But now it's like they're just making it so much easier. And you have guys like Justin Fields, who actually you know was he played in a, a title game, mm-hmm. didn't he? Didn't he play against Alabama? Yeah, he he went in, uh, and and I think. You know, he was part of like a wildcat package, so he played a lot of the season. Yeah. Would go in and out. Um, yeah, and, and it's you know, Kirby Smart is going to play who who you think is going to help him win. Uh, you know, they had Jacob Eason, and he transferred because they brought in Jake Fromm, who just took his place when he was hurt for a couple of weeks. So you, you have to wonder if some of these guys like they they can't even wait a few weeks just to see if they can get on the field. Um, but he transferred to Ohio State and. Uh, off, off he goes. So it's it's just creating a uh, qu- quite a mix of activity. In well, and, and the main thing is, I mean, like you said, you know, we got Joe Burrow as a transfer. This and that was before the transfer portal was active. I think. Um, so yeah, you could, you could still before the transfer portal, you could still transfer and you could still play as a transfer student. Yeah. But the difference is now it's so much easier to be, as they say, quote, el- uh, eligible immediately. And, you know, if you can, if you can show cause that you've been mistreated in a program or, or, you know, other, there are other um, reasons, the NCAA will just deem you, you know, immediately eligible. And it, it, I think I've only seen one case of a player trying to transfer and the NCAA saying, no, you won't be immediately eligible. Um, and so, you know, they can, they can kind of hide behind the fact that, oh, well, not everybody will be able to play immediately. Well, we do it case by case, but it, I think the proof is in the pudding that, by and large, if you enter the transfer portal, you'll be able to play at whatever school you want to go. And a lot of these players, it seems like they're trying to, you know, they'll, they'll try to hold their team hostage. You know, I, I don't think that's what Kelvin Joseph was doing, at least I hope not. But, you know, you enter your name in the transfer portal and then your coach gets scared. Oh, where is he going to leave? Um, so, yeah, I think it, it does create a, an interesting dynamic and we'll, we'll have to see, you know, it's, it's, It'll it'll take a couple of years for us to really see how it works and how how players take advantage of it or you know abuse it. Right, um, and yeah, exactly, uh, abuse it because 
you know, it seems uh, it's just like such a drastic difference from even, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but we will see. Uh, they're about to start. I think all the freshmen that are coming in are going to be on campus here in the next week or so if, they, if they're not there already. Um, you know, some guys will leave in the summer. They'll leave right at the fall if they, if they think, you know, they're not going to start. But it, it will be interesting to see. Um, you know, what happens even now between, in, uh, you know, the first game against Georgia Southern on August 31st. Mm-hmm. Uh, I but, can give you a little firsthand reporting, some uh, breaking news, if you will. Let's hear it. I was, I was on campus yesterday uh, walking through the student union, and I saw none other than Cardell Thomas at the Tiger Card Center getting his student ID. Uh, looks good. Looks big. You know, looks, <laughs> looks like he's ready to get on the field. So I, it's good to see him here, and I'm, I'm ready to see him, you know, actually – put on the uniform because he was not one of the early enrollees like a Derek Singer. Right. So the first time we'll see yeah. him on the field will be in spring camp. I mean, yeah, gl- glad to hear he, he looks like a <laughs> glad to hear he looks like a football player. Was he recruiting by chance while he was there? Was well, you know what? He was, uh, he was, he did have his little name tag with it. Like the football, they, they give him all like lanyards with, uh, you know, foot, like I'm a, basically says I'm a football player. Uh, right. He was not recruiting, uh, because I would, I guess, you know, most of the players are, uh, or most most high school players are not at the student union at LSU. But I don't know what he was doing on Twitter, so you never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, if yeah, if if that's who he is, uh, you know, all, all the more power to him. I think he'd be a good guy going forward, kind of like a, uh, you know, Marcus Spears, you know, that mm-hmm. type of personality where he can. Uh, be a, a cheerleader for the program, but also be a good broadcaster. Maybe be a, even a in, involved in player development, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like Kevin Falk is now. Should should he get into coaching and want to come back? Um, but I feel like we could talk all day about LSU football. But uh, I did want to get to some other things because there's you know still a lot of news going on with uh, with LSU basketball. That now that Will Wade is officially back. For now, I think, I mean, he's officially back, but I don't know, there still seems to be some, you know, hesitation to fully accept that nothing, you know, that everything's in the clear and that we are fine moving forward. Because, um, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if the trial is over, but Wade is back and he's recruiting, so things seem to be good, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I think for... Uh, for a while, there will be a looming black cloud over Will Wade. And, you know, it's kind of when will the other shoe drop? But right. I think it's a good indication uh, from the athletic department that Scott Woodward said, you know, he's our coach. I support him until I hear otherwise. And as of right now, he hasn't heard otherwise. And Will Wade's still the coach. He's re- like you said, he's recruiting. And he just picked up one of the top or yeah, one of the top recruits in the country in Trenton Watford. Yeah, so uh, I, I think that's a, that's a really good indication that those uh, those of us who or those of those who know the inside of the program, those being recruited, have uh, have a, a great deal of confidence that he'll be there next year. Because I don't think uh, Trenton Watford would commit and would would choose LSU over the number one recruited or number one recruiting class at Memphis uh, if he didn't have confidence that Will Wade would be his coach. Right. Yeah, you, you just wouldn't put yourself in that position unless you, you know, had pretty good indication. And, you know, the national media is going to say what it will. 
I know there was a Pat Forty with Yahoo was put out something yesterday about how uh, the governor had called to inquire about the Will Wade situation and updates about Javante Smart, whether he would play or not. And he, he said, because Louisiana, not really sure what he was referencing unless he's <laughs> talking about, you know, old school Louisiana politics, but, uh, uh, you know, perhaps the, the governor is just a fan of the sport and he's, you know, what, a couple miles from campus. So uh, he's just, just calling to check in on his, on his boys. So uh, I'm like you, I still feel like there's some cloud until there's some complete uh, exoneration from all this. But, you know, if, if you're Will Wade and you're the program, you just you keep moving forward until, until you hear otherwise. And, and that's what they're doing. Uh, they just got Skylar Mays to come back. Javante Smart's coming back. Emmett Williams is coming back. There's uh, somebody else that I'm forgetting, too. But uh, the, the players around him seem to, to still believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, we expected Waters to go. We expected Nas Reed to go. Yeah. Um, we did. So, and, and also, I think to, to clarify, there were a lot of people that were upset right around the, in a, or right around, uh, the end of the season because so many of these players like Smart, like Mays, uh, like Williams declared for the NBA draft. But with a, a, a rule change, an NCAA rule change in basketball, you're now, you're now, uh, you're now allowed to declare for the NBA draft, but then choose to come back. And it's so it's more of like a uh, you can gauge your gauge how you are how how the NBA you know sees you as a player, um, so I think that's actually a good thing. I think that's actually um, something that will entice more players to come back for maybe a second year because if you're you know right on the borderline of being a one and done player versus being a uh, versus you know maybe not uh, getting drafted, you don't have to make that binary choice of yes or no. I'll leave the program. Um, so like you said, Mays, who did declare is coming back smart, who declared is coming back and, and Williams. Um, and just to tag on to what you, you were talking about with the governor, I think it's interesting that, uh, Scott Woodward, you know, in a, in a former life, Scott Woodward was a political consultant and he, he's good friends with James Carville and, and a lot of, uh, political people in Baton Rouge. So in a state where the governor has so much influence over LSU, I think it's good that we have a guy at the at the head of the program who knows that world and who can who can navigate those political uh, those political waters. Right, because that's the last thing LSU would need at this point is some other scandal involving you know not just someone outside the program but uh, the governor of the very state that they're in. Now you don't want you don't want that kind of trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but he, he, uh, Wade actually, you know, had to solidify his staff too. He, uh, he promoted, uh, assistant Greg Hare, higher, uh, to assistant coach, uh, because Tony Bedford left to go to TCU. Uh, and then he hired actually a former Tiger, Tasman Mitchell as a, as a full-time assistant to replace Tony. Uh, so I think that program is, is moving on more or less, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think last year, similar to football, I know I didn't have much expectation for LSU basketball going in. You know, I knew that there were a lot of good players. I knew that we were going to have a you know a decent team, and we had a new coach. But um, the amount of success and, and just the electricity of that team—they were—I I didn't—I haven't had as much fun watching basketball 
in a long time as I did watching LSU play last year. So if we can kind of continue that and kind of build a, uh, build a little, you know, a program where you're going to get where, you, you know, I don't know if, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever be a Kentucky or a Duke or a, uh, you know, a Carolina or something like that. But if we can build ourselves out a, a you know, a, a very substantial and a contender basketball program, I think it's a great, um, a great addition, a great addition to LSU sports. Uh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know if they, you know, it's going to take a lot for them to kind of establish themselves like the, the blue bloods that you mentioned, Kentucky and Duke, um, and, and Kansas. Uh, but if they, if they have a good coach like they do with Will Wade and he can stick around for a few years, who knows? Uh, you know, I'd say the, the sky's the limit. Uh, it's all about keeping the program clean and recruiting at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, other teams that may or may not have lived up to to our, our preseason expectations, the the Tigers are hosting uh, a regional this weekend, and you know they've had a up and down year. As you know, they started out number one, uh, but then they they lost that status when they got swept by Texas in their first series. Uh, it's kind of been up and down, but and they weren't even sure if they were gonna be able to host a regional but they you know they played well enough in the sec tournament and they have captured themselves a regional and should they win you know they might go on to place to play georgia if if they won their regional but uh i think the tigers have at least built some momentum going into this offseason when before we you know we kind of didn't really know what to expect you know yeah absolutely um and i think it's no it's no secret that starting out preseason number one and then losing it and falling to, I think, you know, at, at lowest, like number 19 in the nation is a disappointment. And I, I don't think there's any way to go around saying that, but yeah. there's, like you said, there's a lot of momentum. The team got hot in the SEC tournament and in baseball, that's really all that matters. If you can get hot and if you can, if you can put, you know, put together a few good games, anyone can, anyone can win. And we definitely have the talent. We definitely have that, you know, that, national contender caliber talent. It's just about putting it together and, you know, and like I said, getting hot. So if I, I think the biggest question we talked about it is pitching both from the bullpen and starting, but if we can get a few good outings um, and, and, you know, put some hits, you know, put some runs on the board, you know, anything's possible. So it's definitely a more, um, a, a more reassuring uh, after watching them play in the SEC tournament. But I think the questions are still there. Uh, definitely. And uh, for me, just having followed them uh, the last few years, not just this year, uh, the question, I think, again, comes down to pitching and how healthy they can keep them. Because, you know, as you saw in the SEC tournament, they, they did fine starting out. They went through a lot of pitchers in that 17-inning record-setting marathon of a game against Mississippi State. Uh, but just over the year, you know, you had, you had Jaden Hill go down. You had, you had uh, Cole Henry go down. And it's just it seemed like this rash of injuries with the pitching. And looking back over the few years, uh, it's, it's been hard-pressed to say that LSU's had a rounded pitching staff. They've had guys step in and uh, get the job done. But, you know, Maneri's only had maybe two solid starters over the last few years. And... 
I, I don't know that we have a Alex Lang or Aaron Nola type of ace, you know, that one standout guy that you know is going to be your Friday night or first game guy. So I, some of the guys have stepped up recently. You know, uh, Clay Moffitt had a great showing at the at the SEC tournament. Um, and I think guys like that are going to have to step up because, you know, the, the pitching is, uh, I think it's going to be a wait-and-see approach even as they enter the tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, you, you know, I think that there's, there's just, uh, it's just the inconsistency too, you know, the injuries, but also it's hard, it's hard to prepare, uh, a pitching staff and, and kind of, uh, you know, schedule out who's going to, who's going to come in and relieve, who's going to, who's, what are our matchups, um, against these hitters when you don't know, you know, which Zach Hess you're going to get or which, right. you know, <laughs> Yeah, are you going to get starting ace Zach Hess, or are you going to get uh, ninth inning wild thing Zach Hess? You know. Yeah, so it, it's just I think that the, the if we could if we could put together some consistent some consistent arms, like I said, the sky's the limit. Um, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I'm excited about the regional. I'm glad we got into the regional. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad we got our own regional. I should say, but. Uh, I, I, w- I would be lying if I said, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm booking my trip to Omaha right now. Right, right. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not doing that just yet. Uh, I might book a trip to Athens if, uh, if LSU wins their regional and, and Georgia wins theirs, because uh, I believe LSU would go to play Georgia because they were the higher seeds. But uh, if LSU wins and Georgia does not, I believe LSU would then host a super regional, which would be. Uh, a very nice surprise because I don't think anything goes better than LSU baseball and hosting, you know, regionals to get to Omaha. It just, it seems to work for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we might also, it's, it has been a down year. It has been a little bit of a disappointing year, but we might also want to temper our expectations or not expectations, but our thoughts on it just because LSU baseball might be the only baseball program in the nation that ha- that has that culture of this is I mean it's almost a protein it's almost treated like a protein in Baton Rouge, and so it's still college kids it's still you still got you know eighteen nineteen twenty year olds trying to play what many would say is the hardest game to play uh, and especially the hardest game to play day in day out and that hard and the hardest game to be consistent at uh, so it, I thought it was funny when Scott Woodward came on and he gave his little, you know, state of the athletic department speech. He talked about how at most schools you have one revenue producing sport and it's football. But in Baton Rouge, we have this crazy fascination with college baseball to where, uh, to where baseball is a revenue producing sport. So it is, it is a little bit of a, of a down year to LSU standards, but we're still in, we're still in the regional. We are still hosting a regional. And I would say on a, on a national scale, it's still a good year. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, they're still, uh, you know, they're, they're a national seed. Uh, we weren't sure that was going to be the case, you know, even a few weeks ago, uh, but they, they played their way into a national seed and, you know, it, it seems like no matter what happens uh, during the regular season, the SEC tournament, they're going to likely face the same teams. Should they get to Omaha? You know, you have, I think, six other uh, SEC teams hosting hosting regionals, 
and it, you know you got to think one or two or three or four are all going to make it in and it's just going to be another Hoover in Omaha type situation uh which I think that just speaks to the strength of the conference but you know at some point you'd kind of like to play somebody else you know you'd you'd want to play the teams from from all the other conferences just to kind of just to kind of see what it's like because if you have to go against a team you've already played three times uh I, I don't know what you're proving on a national scale that you haven't already proved in conference you know i, I think it's it's good for this conference but um I think it'd be better for me to see them play against more national teams at that, at that stage. Sure. You know, I, I, I don't really have a, I don't think I have necessarily a preference. Um, you know, I just, I, I think that if it, you know, I just want to see them in Omaha. I think that'd be great. I remember the 2017, yeah. um, watching that team. It was, you know, that was a fantastic run or no, I'm not, I'm sorry, not 2007, 2009. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if we can get back to that level, I think everybody would be happy, regardless of who we play. But I do agree with you that, um, you know, watching them play Vanderbilt and Georgia and Ole Miss and Mississippi State does get a little bit repetitive. So we'll just right. have to wait and see. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what other news that we can cover, because uh, I think we're probably about out of time. We've covered all we can in this go-around. Um, so we'll try and cover some more sports as they come up on the next one. But uh, if you enjoyed this show, be sure to follow us each at, at Scott Gerard one. Uh, Tommy, would you mind seeing yours? Yep. I'm at Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, uh, at TH Johnson 23. Yep. And you can also follow us uh, at the LA red zone report.com. You can hit the support us tab uh, if you'd like to make a donation and that would enable us to give you uh, more content. So to keep you up to date on all the, the LSU news. Well, um, that'll do it for this for this go around. And once again, I am Scott Gerard, joined by Tommy Johnson. Johnson. Yep. And uh, thank you for listening to the LSU podcast on the Red Zone Report.